So Matthew chapter 27, beginning at verse 27, this is God's holy word. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, in a loud voice. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we'll end the reading there this morning. Well, it was last month in an article on July the 4th that these words were written, Torched forests and cities burned to the ground. Colleagues with severed limbs 
bombardments so relentless, the only option is to lie in a trench, wait and pray. Those words came, the article said, from Ukrainian soldiers returning from the front lines in eastern Ukraine's Donbass region, where Russia is waging a fierce offensive. Describing life during what has turned into a grueling war of attrition as apocalyptic. Artem Ruban, a Ukrainian soldier, said, quote, If there was a hell on earth somewhere, it was in Severodonetsk. If there was a hell on earth somewhere. As horrible as it must have been for those soldiers and as other wars and catastrophes have been, it was not hell. People often use that word, hell, to describe their experiences on earth. Horrible physical pain, devastating natural catastrophes, Severely abusive relationships, crippling mental anguish have all been described as hell. We don't want to minimize that pain and suffering and loss. But if we call those things hell, we won't have a name left for what the Bible calls hell. The third commandment says we're not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. That is, we are not to deal lightly or reverently with anything by which he has made himself known. And hell is something by which the Lord has made himself known. It reveals his holiness and the justice of his wrath against sinners. We must never use that word lightly or irreverently or unbiblically. To do so would be to take the Lord's name in vain. The Bible tells us hell is that conscious, eternal, full punishment of sin and sinners under the holy wrath of God. Only once did hell visit earth. And it was a battle with only one combatant, the Lord Jesus Christ, the day he died on the cross. And friends, that is the way to really understand this next saying of Jesus from the cross. Our last number of Lord's Supper Sundays, we've been considering what have been called the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. And I hope you remember the ones we've already covered. Jesus has spoken with respect to his crucifiers and said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. 
He spoke to the repentant thief on the cross and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. He spoke to his beloved disciple John and to his mother Mary and entrusted them to each other as he was about to leave the earth. But now in this fourth saying of Jesus from the cross, he is addressing God. And he's addressing God with perhaps the most profound question that's ever been asked. If we do not understand that on Golgotha that day, hell visited earth, we do not understand the cross. Anything less misunderstands the suffering of Christ. And anything else misses the gospel completely. It is only this that is the foundation and the basis for good news to be proclaimed for hell-bound sinners through faith in a hell-suffering Savior. Joseph Conrad wrote a well-known book called The Heart of Darkness, which probes how deep the darkness of sin and the depravity of the human heart can go. But when we come to Matthew 27, we see something more profound. We see the real heart of darkness. On the day of Christ's crucifixion, after that supernatural darkening of the sun, that midday midnight, Jesus cried out those unforgettable, unfathomable words, which expressed the spiritual reality to which the physical darkness pointed. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 46 says literally about the ninth hour. For us, that would be three o'clock in the afternoon. The Jews started their day at 6 a.m. After six hours on a cross, men being crucified usually were close to suffocation. Very weak. Shouting with a loud voice would be very unusual. But about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did you ever wonder what was the bitterness of the cup that Jesus prayed about in Gethsemane? What was the experience he was anticipating which the mere thought of caused his bloody sweat? What was the heart of the darkness that day? Writing of the crucifixion, one writer said, How much rather would I lie prostrate on my face in silence before this awful incident than write or speak upon it? I confess that my soul trembles at the idea of approaching the unfathomable depth of suffering 
from which the cry, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, proceeded. It's a question that revolves around that word forsaken. Forsaken. To abandon. To leave alone. Forsaken has to be one of the most tragic words in all of human language. We can think about and we hear about and maybe to one degree or another you have experienced the tragedy of forsakenness. Friends forsaking friends. Spouse forsaking spouse. Parents forsaking children. Or children forsaking parents. In a fallen world, we know something of forsakenness. But when human beings forsake each other, it is almost always a sinful thing. There's sin involved in forsaking someone that shouldn't be forsaken. But with God, this forsakenness is holy because he is holy. He has eyes too pure as to look upon evil. And so when him who had no sin was made sin, he who had no sin was made sin for us, God in his holiness turned away his face. Sinners deserve to be forsaken. The wages of sin is death in all of its biblical fullness. Hell is God's just punishment against sin. But there is a deep spiritual irony in sinners themselves outside of Christ. In the insanity of sin, what do human beings say with respect to God? I want nothing to do with him. I don't want him in my life. I want to do it my way, in my timing. That's what sinners say to God. That's what Adam said to God in the garden. Sinners want to forsake God. To not have him in their lives anymore. But then do you see how sadly ironic hell is for sinners? Because it is, as it were, God saying... That's what you wanted? So shall it be. And it will only be then that sinners properly appreciate how much kindness and common grace and mercy there was to them while they lived on the earth. To have God and his blessings completely removed from a human life 
which no person living on this earth has yet experienced. Not even the demons in hell fully experience that. When the demons, before the demons were cast into the herd of pigs, they said, have you come to torment us before the time, before the day? There was still a day when their full torment was yet to come. And so it is with the punishment of sin. God's wrath is being revealed. But it will only be in hell that a sinner understands what it means to be completely removed, not from the presence of God. God is everywhere. But from the common grace blessings of God. And that will be perfect torment and misery, and weeping, and gnashing of teeth, forever and ever. What a solemn thing it is, and a horrifying thing it is for a sinner to say, I want nothing to do with God. And yet here is Jesus, the beloved Son of God, crying out on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. No question ever contains so much doctrine. It speaks to us of the holiness of God, the fellowship of the Trinity, the sinfulness of sin, and the sacrificial love of Jesus for his people. One writer said, A creature forsaken by its creator, a man forsaken of God, oh, this is the most frightful of all. This is the climax of calamity. And to to enter into it a little bit more, we need to think of some things. We need to think of the fellowship that Jesus had had with his Father. First, from all eternity, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The fellowship he had on earth. John eight twenty nine, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do things that please him. Or on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You need to remember those things. You need to remember that in his prayers, Jesus always addressed God as his Father. Never till now, till this ninth hour, Did he ever refer to him merely as God? Such was his intimacy with the Father. And again, we can think of it, not even the demons in hell experience suffering like Jesus did that day. Because they never knew the divine fellowship the Son had with the Father and the Spirit. Again, another writer, when Jesus was made a curse, 
made sin for his people, standing in their place before the throne of divine justice. This was the result. God has eyes too pure as to look upon evil. So in the mystery of our salvation at that time on the cross, the one who had heard with his own ears, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, now heard nothing. And his father's face turned away from him in holy wrath. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are the words of deepest mystery. When Israel was in cruel bondage, they cried unto God and he heard them. When they stood helpless before the Red Sea, he came to their aid and delivered them from their enemies. When the three Hebrews, Daniel's friends, were cast into the fiery furnace, the Lord was with them. But here, at the cross... There ascends a more agonizing cry than ever went up from the land of Egypt or the Red Sea or Nebuchadnezzar's furnace. But there was no one by his side to comfort him. He is abandoned by God. It's right to think who can speak about it. Who can comprehend it? The story is told that Martin Luther, when he thought about this text and this question, went a long time without food. He sat wide awake through the night, motionless, like a corpse sitting on a chair, only at times to arise and to pace back and forth, muttering to himself, God forsaken of God, who can understand it? And we... We'll never fully understand it, but we must acknowledge it and believe it and by God's grace have our trust and our faith upon it and upon him. Because in that question, we see the one who didn't deserve hell suffering it in the place of his people. The wages of sin is death in every sense, including the second death, eternal death, being cast into the outer darkness. Second Thessalonians 1, 9. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Jesus himself, earlier in Matthew 7, had said, Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Someone said here was a cry of desolation. Friend, may you never echo it. And here was a cry of separation. Friend, may you never experience it. But this was also wonderfully a question which had within it the hope of our salvation. Because Jesus was suffering not for any sin of his own. He's the spotless Lamb of God. He was suffering in the place of his people. All those who would repent and trust in him. It was not for any of his sin that God turned away his face from Jesus. But for ours. For those who are 
given to Jesus by the Father from all eternity, as Jesus says in John 6. And the great gospel good news is that all the wrath and judgment of the holy God was that day poured out on Christ and is completely satisfied. There is nothing left of it for God's people to bear. There is, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because that condemnation was pronounced and inflicted on Jesus when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can understand people struggling with the doctrine of hell or weeping over it or recoiling from it. But to deny it is to deny Christ and his work on the cross. You cannot reject hell and at the same time say you accept the cross-bearing of Christ. It is only because of Christ's substitutionary forsakenness that the people of God, though personally sinners and sinful, have this great covenant promise repeated throughout the Bible that God will never leave us or forsake us. Are you trusting in the Lamb of God this morning? As we hear this word and as you would come to this table, the sin-bearing, suffering, hell-experiencing Savior, If you are, what a wonderful promise Christ has purchased for you. I will never leave you or forsake you. At the funeral of General Robert E. Lee, words of John Rippon's hymn were sung, The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, he will not, he cannot desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, he'll never, no never, no never forsake. And the Bible is full of this assurance. I will never leave you or forsake you. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will never forsake me. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. These are the words of the Great Commission when Jesus says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Paul tells us that as Christians, nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what a comfort that is, because people may forsake you. The Apostle Paul experienced that. He wrote about it. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. Or 2 Timothy 4.16, at my first defense, no one came to my support. Could you imagine? There's Paul's day in court. You and I may have a day in court. In our lives, down the road. Wouldn't you be encouraged for your day in court to be standing there and you look behind you and there are all of you from this congregation there that day to pray, to support and encourage 
But there's Paul in his day in court. And he looks over his shoulder this way. And he looks that way. And whom does he see? No one. Not one. He knew what it was to be forsaken by friends. But not God. Not God. You may be tempted by trials to feel forsaken. God, you've forgotten us. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. If we are forsaken by family, if we are tempted by trials, God's answer for Christians is always the same. 2 Corinthians 4.9, Paul could say, we are persecuted, but not forsaken. Are you a believer this morning? Are you trusting in Christ? Then believe the promise of God. No matter what happens, if you are in Christ, God will not, because he cannot, forsake you. What a great hope we have in the God, the Jesus who is with us, our Emmanuel. When you are wondering about the promises of God and his faithfulness, then think of Jacob, Genesis 28, 15. Behold, God says, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. When you need courage and strength to do what God has called you to do, to face enemies, to engage the good fight of faith, then think of Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear or be afraid for the Lord, your God. He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. When you need perseverance to keep your hand to the plow and keep doing the work God has for you, you think of Solomon. And David said to his son Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. When you wonder about your own body even, or those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, you think of Psalm 16, rooted in Christ, but then true for Christians, for you will not abandon me. That's the word forsake. You will not forsake me to the grave, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Beloved, when you think of Jesus' question of forsakenness on the cross for us and for our salvation, never, never Stop at that. Go on to think of then the promise of God that he has purchased for you. Because now thus says the Lord who created you and he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. 
And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior.'" 